TechBiter Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 434 for March 15th, 2015. This week, trying to sort through smartphone applications can be a challenge, so we'll look at several that I've found to be useful. Adding RAM is the easiest way to speed up a computer, and there are some new technologies on the horizon. And in short circuits, Adobe marketing tools give companies new ways to interact with, and some might say control, consumers. And are you ready for a password manager that scans your eye? In spare parts, only on the website, watch out for scammers pretending to be IRS agents, predictions that real-time traffic information will be more available, and exploring differences between online shopping in various countries. Approximately 1.7 bazillion applications exist for smartphones. All right, that might be a little bit of an exaggeration. Most of the applications that have been written for Android devices have also been written for Apple devices. Many of the applications written for Apple devices have also been written for Android devices. And of those 1.7 billion applications, you might find some to be essential, while you consider others to be useless. I'm always wary of articles with titles such as 10 Android Applications You Must Have. Your needs are different from mine. So this week, I'll share with you some applications that I've found useful, or if not useful, at least interesting, and you can decide for yourself. The screenshots you'll see on the TechBiter Worldwide website are all from Android devices, some from a phone, others from a tablet, most, if not all, of the applications are also available for Apple's iOS devices. The applications are in no particular order, but let's start with parking your car. How many times have you parked a car in a large parking lot and then had to spend an inordinate amount of time looking for it? Trust me, as you get older, these things happen. Where's My Car is an application that uses your phone's GPS functions. Tell the application where you are when you park the car, and then when you're ready to find it, the application will show you where you are, you're a blue dot, and where your car is, it's a red dot, and which direction you need to travel to find it. How about FTP applications? You may or may not need one. If you don't, you can just ignore this one. I do need an FTP application because it's my preferred way to move books from my home computer to the tablet. And FTP is an excellent FTP client. It supports FTP, SFTP, SCP, and FTPS, so you're not limited to the non-secure protocol. And FTP includes a device file browser and an FTP file browser, so you can download or upload files from any location, local or remote, to any location, local or remote. It also allows the user to rename, delete, and copy files, modify permissions, and create folders. The free version is powerful, but the paid version eliminates ads and it unlocks a few additional features. Somewhat related to FTP is the file browser. Your tablet or smartphone probably has a file browser and it may be adequate for your needs. 
If not, try Astro File Manager. The application allows the user to organize, view, and retrieve pictures, music, videos, and documents. App backup and task killer functions are included, and it can also manage files on a phone or tablet or in a cloud-based application such as Dropbox, Google Drive, Facebook, Box, and OneDrive. How about finding cheap gas? That might be considered kind of a fool's errand. I won't go very far out of my way to save a few cents per gallon. After all, the car has a 10-gallon tank. But I do check Gas Buddy when the car needs fuel and find the closest location with the best price. The application can warn when prices are expected to increase, and I found that to be a helpful feature. GasBuddy.com was founded by Dustin Koopel and Jason Toes as a collection of local websites designed to share gas pricing information. It has grown quite a bit since then. If you like Google Maps, you might want to try here. It may be the best mapping and guidance application yet developed because users can download maps to use when they're offline. Instead of depending on expensive data connections while driving, just download the map for the state or states you'll be driving in when you have a Wi-Fi connection, and you can use it when you don't. Here includes interactive 3D maps of shopping centers and airports in 70 countries, a route planner that shows driving, public transit, and walking routes on one screen so you can compare options at a glance, and the ability to tap on any place icon on the map to find out more about it and how to get there. Numerous voices are available to provide turn-by-turn -turn guidance. Let's get into some specialized applications, light meters and sound meters. Somebody I know was distressed considerably when the company he works for installed new lights that were a lot brighter than the ones they replaced. Look, he said, pointing to his iPhone, this light meter shows the illumination here is very high. I thought back 50 years to the foot candle meter that my father owned. He was an electrical contractor. I have no idea what it cost, but it was probably pretty expensive in those days. Today anybody can measure foot candles or lux, and, as an additional free benefit, determine what the color temperature of the light is. The application is free, or if you want to get rid of the ads, there is a small cost. And if you want to determine the amount of ambient sound, Sound Meter will do that job. At my desktop computer, the ambient sound level is normally about 50 dB. My 50 dB rating equates to what's called quiet urban daytime, or dishwasher in the next room. Continued exposure to high sound levels can injure your ears. Normal human speech, with the speaker standing about 3 feet away, is in the 70 decibel range. A vacuum cleaner about 10 feet away would register about 80 dB. A food blender at 3 feet, 90 dB. A gas lawnmower with your ear 3 feet away, that's about 100 dB. And a rock band or a jet airplane at 1,000 feet, that's about 110 decibels. One important point to remember with sound is that every 3 decibel increase doubles the sound energy. Continuous exposure to 85 dB sound levels or louder can harm your ears. According to DangerousDecibels.org, when listening to a personal music system with stock earphones at maximum volume, the sound generated can reach a level of over 100 dBA, loud enough to begin causing permanent damage after just 15 minutes a day. Take care of your ears. They're the only ones you have and your smartphone can help you. 
If you like beer or wine, Next Glass could help you select something new that you'll like, tell the application which beers, ales, or wines you've enjoyed, and it'll estimate how much you'll like something that you haven't yet tried. Start with a bottle of the brew you're considering, aim the phone's camera at the label, and wait for a review. If the scanning process doesn't work, and sometimes it doesn't, you can use the search function to look for the beer, ale, or wine. Android devices have default desktop applications, but the Nova Launcher is better, I think, because it allows you to be in charge of exactly how the desktop works. The Nova Launcher can set the number of rows and columns of icons, enable what's called infinite scroll so that you'll never run into a dead end, set up a scrollable dock for applications that you always want to have available, enable gestures, and even change the scroll effect. The launcher, when used in conjunction with HD widgets, allow for a highly customizable interface. Microsoft OneNote is a desktop application that I would be lost without. I can use OneNote to organize lots of information, including the upcoming TechBiter Worldwide schedule. OneNote files can be viewed and modified on your smartphone, too. To enable OneNote editing or viewing on a smartphone, all you need to do is synchronize one or more notebooks to Microsoft's OneDrive. Calendars are fine for some applications, but task lists are even more important for activities that you need to attend to, but perhaps not at a specific time. Remember the Milk is an outstanding application that I use on my desktop computer. It reminds me when I need to do something. This is simply the best application I've found for reminding me to do things, the fact that it's also available to synchronize on my Android phones and tablets just makes the best application even better. So let's pop over to another specialized application. This one is called Scanner Radio. It lets you listen in on local or distant police and fire communications. The application provides links to more than 5,300 police and fire scanners, weather radios, and amateur radio repeaters from around the world. Most are in the United States, Canada, and Australia. Having spent several decades listening to police and fire dispatchers, one thing I learned is that most police officers and firefighters do their very best every day. Sometimes police officers do bad things, but it's important not to tar all officers by the misdeeds of the few. And listening to a scanner radio illustrates that point. Sorry if that seemed a little political. Well, how about a camera? Yes, your smartphone already has a camera app, but consider Snap Camera HDR. A trial version has all the features of the paid app, but it will start immediately only if the phone is in airplane mode. Once you've decided to license the full application, it'll run normally. Snap Camera has a simple user interface that includes touch to focus, pinch to zoom, and swipe to review. A long press activates the function to adjust photo settings such as color contrast, silent shutter, burst mode, panorama, and flash. The HDR app takes two photos at different exposures, then combines them to make one HDR photo. By default, the app will save the original exposures and open an HDR editor, but this behavior can be changed from the settings menu. And there's Snap Gallery. That's the viewer application that comes with Snap Camera. The photo editor makes it possible to enhance details and contrast, eliminate noise, add color effects, borders, crop, rotate, mirror, and straighten an image, and add effects and vignettes. Do you use Google Calendar? 
You might want to take a look at Sunrise Calendar. It communicates with Google Calendar, and I think it has a better interface. That's good. Microsoft now owns Sunrise. Some people might consider that to be bad. I don't. Microsoft says it's another step forward in their journey to reinvent productivity and empower every person and organization to achieve more. The acquisition of Sunrise, says Microsoft, coupled with our recent acquisition of Accompli and our new touch-optimized universal apps for Windows 10, all exemplify Microsoft's ambition to rethink the productivity category. Microsoft continues by saying, our goal is to create more meaningful, beautiful experiences in mobile email and calendaring across all platforms. And with Sunrise Calendar, they've done a pretty darn good job. You may know that I read a lot. I've mentioned that from time to time. The ability to carry dozens of books around with me is liberating because no matter where I am, a book that I'd like to read is always right there with me. The Universal Book Reader, or UB Reader, is my preferred application. The bookcase view allows users to add new shelves, select multiple books, view by list or grid, and search through the collection. Because I'm in the midst of a reading challenge, I've added a shelf that holds books that are part of that challenge. The UB Reader can work with books that have been stored on removable media too, and they can display EPUB and PDF files. Every smartphone has a weather app, but my preference is Weather Underground. It's an add-on. All weather information in the United States originates with the National Weather Service, but other organizations can interpret the raw data. Weather Underground's goal is to make quality weather information available to every person on the planet. How's that for a goal? No matter where you live in the world or how obscure an activity you require weather information for, we will provide you with as much relevant local weather data as we can uncover. That's what Weather Underground says. The organization has been around since 1995, and now it has millions of users worldwide. More than 100,000 personal weather stations feed information to Weather Underground. The company says that allows it to provide meaningful and reliable weather data to people in real time. Weather Underground is a part of the weather company. It's based in San Francisco. I've mentioned WePlan previously. It's intended to provide visibility into your smartphone's data plan usage, and it can also provide useful information about Wi-Fi usage. The Spanish developer of the app says that WePlan's goal is to offer transparency to the complex telecommunications market so that users can find optimal phone plans and determine how the plan compares to others. Because the app doesn't explicitly address U.S.-based providers, not all of the features are available. But even so, WePlan will display how much each application installed on your phone or tablet uses, both on the phone's data plan or Wi-Fi. And when you're trying to find which channel your Wi-Fi router should be running on, Wi-Fi Analyzer will help by displaying which channels are in use. In some ways, Wi-Fi is a lot like CB radio. If everybody tries to talk on the same channel, the result is not good. A Wi-Fi channel is a range of radio frequencies that an access point or wireless router uses to communicate with all of the devices on that channel. Wi-Fi networks operating on the same channel are forced to share bandwidth. Wi-Fi channels are arranged in an overlapping pattern according to the IEEE 802.11 standard, and adjacent channels do share a certain range of bandwidth interfering with one another. Wi-Fi Analyzer provides a channel graph to show clearly which signals are on which channels, 
and it can recommend channels that will work better in your location. Switching the router's operating channel will require that you open the router control panel, and you'll need to see your router's manual or help screen for that. Currently, though, the 5 GHz channels are much less commonly used, so setting your devices to operate on those frequencies will generally provide better results. The Wi-Fi analyzer shows both the 2.4 and 5 GHz bands if your device supports both bands. One of the most quoted recommendations for improving the speed of a computer is to add memory. Extra random access memory can make almost any computer faster. The primary exceptions to this rule are computers that still have 32-bit operating systems. Starting with Windows XP, though, Microsoft did offer 64-bit operating systems, and most computers sold in the past five years or so are 64-bit systems so they can take advantage of whatever RAM you install. 4 gigabytes is the most that a 32-bit operating system can access. There are some new developments coming down the road in terms of what we're going to find in our computers, but there are two primary kinds of RAM right now. Volatile RAM, usually referred to as dynamic RAM or DRAM or static RAM, SRAM, and non-volatile memory such as ROM and flash. DRAM and SRAM have to be refreshed constantly to maintain the information held. ROM and flash memory can store data even when the system is turned off. Most of the RAM in a computer is DRAM because it's faster and less expensive, but all information is lost when the power is removed. Because non-volatile RAM can store information when it's not powered, it's used in thumb drives and memory cards. Companies are working on some other technologies that could someday replace one or both of the standard RAM types. One is called Phase Change RAM, or PC RAM, which uses a special type of glass. The technology dates all the way back to the 1960s. Research conducted in 1969 at Iowa State University showed that the technology would work, and Intel's Gordon Moore has published an article on the technology, Power consumption, though, has been the primary roadblock to using PC RAM. Magneto-resistive random access memory, MRAM, is a new technology. It appears to have the greatest chance of success. It's non-volatile, and technicians have been working on it since the 1990s. MRAM has only a tiny market share right now, but it is seen as a possible successor to both volatile and non-volatile memory. Unlike conventional RAM, data in MRAM is stored magnetically instead of as an electronic charge, as in SRAM, or as in current flows in DRAM. Two ferromagnetic plates, each of which can hold a magnetization, are separated by an insulating layer, a very thin insulating layer. Read and write speeds for MRAMs are fast enough to position this kind of memory as a possible contender to replace DRAM. Currently, though, it's more expensive than either of the two primary technologies. Some computer devices are already using MRAM components, but mainly in specialized applications. Another technology that people are working on is resistive random access memory, or RRAM, sometimes called RERAM. 
It is non-volatile, and it works by changing resistance across a dielectric solid-state material. This is another of the newer and less developed technologies, but it might have a size advantage, and because electrical signals travel at a finite speed, anything that limits the distance the signal has to travel has the potential to improve speed. In Short Circuits, I mention Adobe from time to time in context with communications. If you read a magazine, newspaper, or book, Adobe is there. Look at a website or blog, yeah, Adobe's there. Photos, of course. TV and motion pictures, yep, Adobe's there too. And this week's Adobe Summit 2015, an annual digital marketing conference, brought all the pieces together in the Adobe Marketing Cloud, which extends beyond the traditional media to the Internet of Things, product design, and the more traditional ad and marketing technologies. At the summit, Adobe unveiled two new marketing cloud solutions, Adobe Prime Time, a multi-screen TV platform, and Audience Manager, Adobe's data management platform. It also revealed new capabilities in Adobe Campaign and Adobe Analytics, two programs that I hadn't heard of before. Adobe's Senior Vice President and General Manager of Digital Marketing Business, Brad Wrencher, described how the world of marketing communications is being transformed beyond the traditional methods of interacting with customers in new ways that are, as he said, enabled by a richer view of the customer. So the digital experiences are starting to change how we shop, open hotel room doors, interact with our cars, and even buy soda from vending machines. Adobe Prime Time is used by NBC Sports, Comcast, Turner Broadcasting, and Time Warner, among others. It permits marketers and advertisers to import audience data into Audience Manager so that ad campaigns can target specific audience segments. A single user with more than one device won't have to watch the same ad multiple times. Adobe Audience Manager and Adobe Prime Time are new parts of the Adobe Marketing Cloud, Audience Manager allows companies to gain greater insight into their customers. Anonymous audience data gives marketers the ability to see overall trends. No real threat there, but this part will worry some people. Cross-device identification lets marketers take advantage of user authentication to target individuals in a household that share a single device. And then there's the Internet of Things. Adobe Marketing Cloud allows brands to extend the impact of marketing via the Internet of Things devices by displaying personalized messages in locations such as retail stores and hotel rooms. In other words, if you already thought that Adobe was everywhere, prepare to be surprised. You'll find more information about the conference at the Adobe Summit website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website.
best, the only, and the unexpected. That's the motto of Hammaker Schlemmer. The 167-year-old catalog store is now offering a $280 password authenticator that uses an eye scan to unlock your passwords. Employing the same biometric technology trusted to verify travelers at international borders, Hammaker Schlemmer says, the device has a small camera that scans and saves the 240 distinctive pattern points of the iris, converting them into an encrypted ID that cannot be forged or duplicated. Hammaker Schlemmer's general manager, Fred Burns, says the device is unlike standard managers that can still be cracked if stolen. It's more secure than writing your passwords down on paper and hiding them, and it's more convenient, he says, because you can't forget the non-forgettable. Once authenticated, users can link email, social media, banking, utility, and shopping accounts without the need to keep a list of separate passwords. If you're interested, you'll find a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website that'll take you there. And while you're on the website, check out Spare Parts. This week, an article about watching out for scammers who pretend to be IRS agents, predictions that real-time traffic information will be more available, and exploring differences between online shopping in various countries. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.